0: So, 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, and we'll look at verse, I may have told you chapter 2, I'm sorry, but chapter 3, look at verse number 16 with me. Familiar scripture, no doubt, but very profitable scripture. And this word is talking of the scripture. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let us pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this chance that we have. Lord, this opportunity, Lord, that you've given us to gather together in your house tonight. We thank you for it. We pray that you bless us. I pray, God, for your direction. I pray that you would help us to... Focus upon you tonight as we study and we grow in our personal discipleship, as we grow in the studies of your word. Lord, I just hope that we can uh, be a willing vessel tonight. I pray that our minds and our hearts will be clear as we share tonight, and I pray that the minds and the hearts of your people would be clear tonight to receive this precious word. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray that you'd help us and keep us safe as we all travel home tonight, Lord, and as we look forward to gathering together this weekend Lord, this Sunday Pray that you give us safety until then. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The the foundation of our pure and true and holy religion, the foundation of our beliefs, our Christian faith, is God's word to man. It's a beautiful and it's a wonderful thing, and we know that this precious word has existed. Before God's word has existed eternally, uh, it's existed on into the past, it will exist long after uh, this world has ceased to exist. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And uh, I'm thankful for this word that I have. And I mentioned on Sunday, and uh, maybe not with the best wording, but I was talking on Sunday about how blessed we are uh, to have the word of God. And how we take it for granted that we have a copy of God's word. And we talked about how uh, there were days and times where our own ancestors, it was illegal um, for regular people. If you weren't part of the clergy, uh, the, the, the leadership in the church, you couldn't have uh, a, a copy of God's word. Even the monks, uh, the men who dedicated their whole lives to the word of God, they weren't given entire, the entirety of scripture at once. They were given bits and given pieces. And to me, that's just proof that uh, even in the heart of wicked people, they know God is real and they know that the, pow- the power of the gospel will transform people and transform cultures. Um, because they were afraid of what would happen if people got a hold of the word of God. And to me, that just proves God. And I saw something today that uh, really uh, I enjoyed reading. It was talking about how atheists. Uh, you know, they're, they're not trying to disprove, uh, they, they, they do not believe in a higher power, right? That's what atheism means, you don't believe in a higher power. and uh, they don't, But they don't try to disprove Buddha, and they don't uh, try to disprove Muhammad, but they do try to disprove Jesus, and they do not believe in our God. And uh, that tells you that there's something there. And the, the vessel in which uh, God communicates with man uh, today is, we know is uh, obviously the Holy Spirit and how he works and moves and speaks and touches, but that's to, uh, to save people. That's to people he's calling to be saved and accept him. But uh, we know also the way is the word and how we could so easily and so quickly speed through the thought of the word of God. But I want to spend some special time over the next coming weeks thinking and studying on the word of God and its significance and importance to us today. So we'll look at this scripture tonight. And uh, the first thing I want to share is just a little quote that I, I read. I've had written down for years, and I don't know where it, who it came from or who said it. But just to uh, share this with you, kind of to, to start us off thinking about the Word of God. Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. What other word will be so penetrating that it will reach into you and just tear you to pieces other than the word of God? Um, everything else that exists out there in form and fashion, some form and fashion, glorifies and joy in the world, right? I mean, all the other works and... Writings out there, uh, they're, they're imperfect. Poetry, and I, I think y'all know that I'm probably not a big poetry kind of guy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not. But uh, poetry out there exists, and people love it, and they, it's renowned, and it's beautiful, but, you know, you get to reading it, and if you're in school or at any point in time or you've been in school where you've had to read it, I mean, it's like, well, you know, it, it, it makes sense, but it really don't. And, uh, and you tell that to an English teacher, and my goodness, you blow their minds. But, um, you know, it, there, there's so much out there, and I'm not saying it's bad stuff. There's, there's some things, it's, it's not bad, but it's not spiritually profitable. There's a lot of books out there. You go to my office, and I've got them bookshelves about half the way filled up, and I'm, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I love them. got a bookshelf filled, filled up at home. But the only book that, that consistently stays off of my shelf is this book. And, and that's what a beautiful thing you can go look uh, at, at any, any even commentaries and books on the Bible and, and they're imperfect because man's intervention has to do with them and there's some people you can, you can read, them, read after them about certain things and they're, they're absolutely pinpoint perfect on certain aspects of what they say and then you give another subject and it's terrible they, <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about And so it just goes to show you that these works, Christian works, things, they're imperfect. Uh, There's books out there, good and bad, out there in the secular world. There's some you can read, and it's not going to do you any harm, as long as you don't put it before your your reading of God's Word. There's some stuff out there we need to just leave alone, but there's nothing as alive as the Word of God. It's, It's a living Word, and that's what's such a precious truth that we can carry with us each and every day is that we have a word that is a living word and what's so beautiful what makes it living is it says here in our verse verse 16 of 2nd Timothy 3 all scripture is given by inspiration of God that's why it's a living word now it's a beautiful thing because it wasn't so robotic in the way that it's inspired uh that it doesn't have personality you get the, the personality and the, the, the personal uh, attributes and the personal knowledge and the personality of the Apostle Paul when he's writing here to Timothy. He, he loved Timothy. He, loved, he says he loves him as his own son, his son in the faith. That's how much he loved him. And, and so with that love and compassion that the Apostle Paul shows, uh, it's a beautiful thing you see Paul's personality. Um, you see in the Word of God the personality of the gospel writers and how matthew mark luke and john they had their own personalities they had different backgrounds and they had different uh god god inspired them to write the word and he gave them the words but their personalities shine through and uh you know the book of matthew being primarily written to the jews that that book was more effective maybe to be to be read that gospel was more effective to be read by people of the jewish faith because it was written in 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 the same inspiration that, that that mark luke and john was written but Matthew, God inspired Matthew to write primarily to the Jew to break down that Jewish wall. And so it's a wonderful thing that those personalities shine through. And, and, and another proof for you of the Word of God, uh, people say the Bible contradicts itself. You ever heard anybody say that? I mean, it just it contradicts itself. The greatest example I've heard, and what you can tell whatever, whoever told you that, is they'll say the Gospels contradict themselves. Well, the, the greatest thing I've heard, and you may have heard it, and if you did, that's awesome. Use it. It's kind of like people witnessing, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John witness the gospel, right? They witness this gospel story unfolding. And, and, and somebody says, well, this contradicts itself. Well, they, they witness the gospel, and imagine four people standing on the side of the road witnessing a car crash. Now, there's four people standing there. They're going to give you different details of the story, amen? There are people that, that they have different uh, energy levels. They have different uh, uh, Vance is shaking his head back, don't they? Don't they? They, they, just, they have different education levels. They have different personalities. They have, there's, there's four different people that watch the same thing happen, and they tell the story completely different. And that's what we see with the gospel. It doesn't contradict itself, but God chose to use man, an imperfect man, and inspired his word, and their personality shines through. So so that's something that people say, well, it contradicts. No, it doesn't contradict itself. It's just people from different backgrounds, different experiences, different education levels, uh, different different histories, different, different thoughts, and different minds. God didn't robotically write the word of God, and I think that's a wonderful thing. That we can see. That God truly used man to write the Word of God, but it was all inspired by God and that's why it's a living word that's why we can go back to it that's why we can uh, uh, that's why it it breathes uh, a new life into us each time we read it is because God literally directed these men to write these words. so it's an inspired word. what's the purpose of the word of God? Well it, we're told here about this inspired word it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And tonight we'll just look at doctrine and reproof, this thought of doctrine and reproof. The purpose of the word. God knew that we needed direction. God knew that we, we, we needed a, a, ta- a tangible item that we could get a hold of and we could hear from god i've told you uh you know people develop a lot of opinions about a lot of things and we've got to be careful not to well i i uh my pastor said this i don't want you going i told you i don't want you going around town saying so my pastor said this there's there i have no authority to speak for god other than what the holy spirit directs to me to speak from this pulpit and there's certainly no new word that i will ever be able to add to this word uh, they sent me, uh, when I had this Bible rebound, they sent me five blank pages in the back. And I thought, man, you know, what are you write in there? Now, I'm going to write little notes, and I've already written some stuff about baptisms and uh, people that, you know, the Lord saved. And, and this this Bible This is my Mountain View Bible right here. I'm writing everything about Mountain View in here. This is the Bible that the Pastor Search Committee and Brother Sam got for me and gave me when I became your pastor. And this is my Mountain View Bible. I'm writing all these little notes in here. One day when I'm old and gray, I'll go back and I'll look at all these things. It'll be wonderful and glorious. But these blank pages, I'll never be able to add more to God's word in here that's not I'm not giving that authority God's revealed in his word every word that he's ever said that he intends to say to man has been revealed right here and so there's no adding to it we can just expound upon it but we must be careful that it's not uh, that that well I'm going to take it and try to try to shoehorn something in uh, to mean something here and there but, but that we're, we're, we're sober and we're vigilant to study God's word and learn God's word and, and to be able to understand the context of God's word there's nothing more dangerous than a careless Christian using God's word like, like a weapon now it's a two-edged sword but uh, you better be sure that you're swinging that two-edged sword in the right direction amen There's careless people that just get a hold of it and they don't don't think about the doctrine, the reproof, the instruction, the correction. They don't think about those things. It's just, how can I use this as a weapon towards somebody else? And there's a lot of damage done because of the misuse of the Word of God. But first, the purpose of the Word we see here is for doctrine. Doctrine. Meaning, doctrine meaning God in His personality. The Holy Spirit and His personality, Jesus and His purpose, His personality, and, and 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 the doctrine of what do we believe fundamentally? What do we believe about creation, salvation, redemption, eternal security, the end times, the rapture? What doc, doctrinally? What do we? What have we been taught? What are the the fundamentals of the faith of the word and that's what's provided and that's what this word tells us is that his word provides us doctrine what does doctrine do for us well doctrine doctrine allows me to know and understand what how to interpret how god will deal with me how god deals with you how god deals with the word world without it we're lost without it if we if we don't know and understand god's personality and how god works and how how his spirit moves and how some people they have some ideas about His Spirit. We had not got to it. I told you we'd get to it during our Holy Spirit, but I'm just having to take a step back and breathe because it's, it's tough. People have a lot of ideas about what the Spirit does. And it's because they've not applied doctrine given in the Word of God to the understanding of how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit does not impress people to speak in tongues that cannot be interpreted by anyone. Can I get an Amen. The Holy Spirit does not give the authority of an apostle to people in these days to heal people of their illnesses and their sicknesses. Can I get it? amen? The Holy Spirit does not, not give me the ability to interpret those things, to interpret visions and to interpret signs that, that, that's not found in scripture. That ends in the apostolic age. Those last apostles that were, were, were given the task by Jesus Christ to be apostles. Those things ended in that day. And, and, and matter of fact, tongues were not what people want you to think they are today. People, people, people love the mysticism. And what we've done is we've created a cult out a church. Why? Because we've looked over doctrine, the teaching of the doctrine and understanding and, 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 and trying to learn, is this beneficial to us today? And people today think those things are tradition when scripturally even the apostles said those things would fade away. But because of the lack of doctrine we overlook those things because we're not seeking and trying to understand how the Holy Spirit will work and move with us. How he will touch us. How he will lead us. How he will us. you're 100% better off being led by the Holy Spirit than being led by Foolish imaginations and and foolish emotions. And so his word is doctrine for us. Back in uh, the Old Testament, the word says, uh, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. So, so this doctrine and this word, uh, it, they are statutes and they are judgments. They're, they're guides of right. They're guides of wrong. They're guides of how God deals and how God's work, how we are to live, how we to, are to abide. I've talked about how there's a there's movement today in, in, in kind of the modern mindset of church to, to do away with the Old Testament. We don't need it. We live under grace. But the Apostle Paul said the Old Testament is a school, the law is a schoolmaster. You say, we don't need the Ten Commandments. Hey, if I could abide by the Ten Commandments, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing well, right? Why would we cast away those things? We've forgotten doctrine. We've forgotten that God gives statutes and he, he gives judgments and he explains that some, some of those things have been fulfilled. But also it's a good God. It's a good, good way to, to abide in our life. It's good teachings on how we live and how we, we, we treat one another. Doctrine provides a few things in first daily discipleship what we're preaching on and teaching on discipleship growing closer to Christ you grow closer to Christ when you look at his laws and his statutes people want to overlook people want to overlook what Jesus says and expects from us they want to overlook that completely it's just all grace and it's all mercy and we're just going to overlook what's demanded and what's expected Man, Jesus will forgive me of anything. Yeah, but those people in the New Testament that he forgave, he said to go and sin no more. Clean your life up. Stay, stay right where you are right here. I've forgiven you. Walk away and, and walk away from the sin. Daily discipleship comes from doctrine. Lord, I know your laws. I know your statutes and I know the guidelines. The, the, the guidelines. In our bank, we had rules and regulations. And every industry has it, right? You're dealing with fuel oil, there's 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 rules and regulations. You're doing construction, there's rules and regulations. Whatever it is, there's rules and regulations, there's guidelines to abide by. And I'm somebody that I like to know where my where my barriers are. I may be all over the road, but as long as I'm in the road, I'm all right. Amen. There's a a point in time where you're going to be in the guardrail. There's a point in time where you're going to to cross the median. I I want to know where that that limit is. And God's word gives us that. And so daily seeking in God's word, and we'll get to that more in reproof and correction, but daily seeking in God's word, that's daily discipleship. You will grow closer to Jesus when you understand his laws, when you understand his rules, when you understand what his expectations are. A lot of people, Jesus, hey, Jesus is just that, that cool that cool big brother. Everybody loves come home from college and put his arm around me and just, just sit with me and just talk about life. Hey, he, he loves sitting with you. He loves putting his arm around you. He loves being with you, but he has some expectations. And and daily seeking those things makes us a closer disciple to him. So daily discipleship and daily depth, the deepest Christians that you well, no, and we're going to get to doctrine, what doctrine is later on. But daily depth. The deepest Christians that I've ever known are Christians that love doctrine. They love, I mean, it'll, it, it'll hair-lip the Pope kind of, kind of Bible stuff. Like, there ain't nobody wants to follow this. There ain't nobody likes this because it means you have to change you. Those people that love that stuff, that's, them, that's the people with depth. I love the law of the word of God. I'm not seeking religion. I'm not seeking legalism. I'm not seeking liberalism. I'm seeking the word. That's depth. And daily, daily, you grow deeper with the Lord when you love his laws and you love his statutes and you abide by them. Well, God, God tells us we don't participate in this. So it's for me and my house. We're not going to. That's depth. That's depth. That's discipleship. What's that based off of? That's based off the doctrine of the word of God. That's what's telling, what offends God and what pleases God. Daily discipleship, daily depth. And another thing about doctrine, it'll provide you daily direction. We've been been in a whirlwind with a few things. I shared that on Sunday night. I'm not going to do that again. But we've been in a whirlwind of a few things. And trying to make decisions, are so, it's so difficult. What do we do? And you, and you, I mean, you beat a dead horse sometimes, don't you? I mean, just beat it to death twice. Trying to figure out what are we going to do here or there? This costs this much, or we to—we got to make this decision, or do we go with these people, or, or what do we decide here? And it gets so overwhelming. And it's hard to say, Lord, you just give me direction today. That's what I've been trying to focus on in my walk with the Lord is Lord, I'm just just give me direction today. Give me obedience for today. Get me till that clock. I just want to, I just want you to get me till that clock turns over till tomorrow. And I want to just focus on today. Now, I'm not saying I've done it yet. I'm going to try. It's hard. Worrying about tomorrow. Worrying about next week. Worrying about a month from now. But the doctrine and the truth and the laws and the statutes of the Word of God, they will direct you every day. In, this is what you're supposed to be doing this is where you're supposed to be going this is how you're supposed to be treating people and you know what before you know it with that daily direction following words of God and pleasing God and seeking God before you know it you're going to forget all about all those other worries about the time you lay down they'll come back to your mind that's just how it is but such is life amen I'm telling you it's a lot easier to get through a day when you have direction from the word of God I remember being so embarrassed in teen, when I was a teenager. And uh, my first little girlfriend, we went to, we went to sun, Sunday school class. And she said, she hadn't told me yet. She tells Sunday school class, I've been reading my Bible every morning. And I've just had such a better week. I thought, man, I wish I could say something real smart and religious like that. I'm going to try that this week. And I started doing that and started doing that and started doing that, reading every morning and praying every morning. It's like, man, I'm starting to get some direction. She broke up with me. She was getting some direction, too. I was like, hold on now. But you know what? I've, I've never forgotten what that, week, what that week was like, what that week felt like to me just spending time in God's word and studying God's word, I was, I was so charged up. I was so excited because what happens is my rebellious flesh came face to face with the doctrine and the word uh, and the rule of, of God's word. And I began to realize, man, I'm, I'm, I'm growing closer to Jesus. I, I'm, I'm growing deeper with Jesus. i I'm, I'm, I'm I'm getting direction from Jesus, from the doctrine of his word. And that's what God's word is intended for. It's it's given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine. You say, I I just can't figure out what to do. I I don't know what direction I'm going. Hey, I'm with you. But I tell you what, let's, let's make a pact together, you and me, that this week, let's get up and get in God's word. Let's spend time in our study. And we're going to grow closer to him. And we're going to grow deeper in him. And we're going to get direction from him because that's what his doctrine will do for you. And guess what? It's going to mean that you're going to face some stuff in yourself that you're going to have to change. But when that time comes, guess what? You're standing closer to him. You've grown deeper in him. And when he gives you direction, it's so much easier. So much easier. I'm stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. But it's so much easier to follow this word when I'm closer to Jesus, when I'm deeper in Jesus, when I'm getting direction from Jesus. And that means spending time in the truth of his word. It's profitable for doctrine. Next and the last thing we'll talk about tonight is for reproof. You will not face the word of God without facing conviction. Amen. Amen. It, it 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 is. It's rough. I have this one pastor friend of mine. Lord willing, we'll have him come down here. Brother Jason's pastor, Jason Cox has been with us. His pastor, Brother Keith Watkins. And about every time I talk to that man, I get convicted about something. I mean, he's just so honest and blunt. I was going to his church and thought I was hiding some junk. He got up there one day. He, I went and talked to him after the service. He said, what you got going on? Something's wrong. I was like, man, I'm going to start sitting in the, in the back back. No offense to people in the back, but I'm going to start, Sean back there, I'm going to start sitting back there where Sean sits. I'm going to start sitting outside in the foyer. You know, I love that. I, I strive to be the, the, the type of Christian that people see and, and that they, they get around me and, and that the Spirit can move and flow so freely through me. That that God can work and touch people and convict people through my life. But man, there's nothing that will do it. When the Spirit of God and the Word come together, there's nothing that will give reproof like this precious Word. James tells us, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. I would say each and every one of us in here tonight would probably say, I, "I, at times, at some point in time, maybe not tonight, and maybe not last Sunday, maybe not two Sundays ago, but at some point in time when you've come to church, you have sat here and you have thought, man, when I get home, I want to read my Bible. Or, or, or tomorrow, I'm going to read my Bible. Or I'm going to, I'm going to make some changes, uh, uh, and, and I'm going to try to read my Bible. Well, let me tell you the key to, to making that stick because I've been that Christian, Brother Keith. I have been that Christian that I, will, I would get in the altar and I would cry the crocodile tears and I would go back and I would leave church never changed. And guess what? So please keep coming and doing that. Please keep being that person because one day it's going to stick. I, I can't stand these people that are like, man, you, you, if you ain't going get, to get right, just leave. So please keep doing it because it's going to stick one day. But we got to get genuine at some point. we got to get real at some point. And, and what takes place for us to make a change that's going to stick is that we have to lay apart the filthiness. We have to lay the, the superfluity of naughtiness. What that means is we got to lay the junk aside in our life. And what happens is this doctrine, this doctrine of the Word of God, when you spend time in it, what happens is that it's profitable for the doctrine and it's profitable for reproof. And what that means... Is you're going to face something inside of you that's got to get out. Sam sent me a, a quote. Is it God must die or sin must die? God or sin must die. Guess who's going to die? It ain't going to be God. My favorite, one well, of my favorite sayings, John Owen, Pastor Oliver Cromwell's pastor. You don't know who Oliver Cromwell was. You go look him up. He was a bad dude. The 1600s, I mean he burnt down half of England, half of Ireland, killed probably everybody in our, all of our grandparents got killed by him and his armies. I mean, he was a bad dude. John Owen was his pastor. And and what a what an interesting situation to be in that you are such a good and Godly man serving under such a a, a mean and, and wicked man. His most famous quote is my favorite quote. And he says, you must be killing sin or it will be killing you. And that's the key. We can love and want, man, I just want to, re- you know, the pastor, he was, he was he he was just on fire this morning or the singing was right this morning or, or the Sunday school teacher was right and we can want it all we want to but it doesn't take long before it will this word it will reveal something in you that needs to change and what that means is you're going to have to kill that sin in you that wants to re- rebel against this word that's what James was saying. Because he says, lay, aside, lay apart, lay aside these things. And he says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word. You see, before you can receive the word with meekness, you've got to get rid of some junk in your life. Amen. You've got to kill some sin before you can humbly accept the truth of the word of God, which is able to save your souls. So there's a few things about reproof that is wonderful and beautiful. James also says, be but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James is my favorite book in the Bible, and that's probably one of my favorite verses in all the word of God. What a daily challenge that is. Be, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. You see, we like to, man, I shouldn't have got this started at 757 on Wednesday night because I'm going to get fired up. We like coming to church, and the preacher's the one that's got to live up to God's standards, Amen. We like I love saying that, man. It's just a blessing to me because I find, I mean, the preacher's the only one that has to live up to it. The choir leader's the only one that has to live up to it. The Sunday school teacher's the only one that has to live up to it. But we will all stand before God and give an account, each and every one. Now, leaders, we give, a, we give an account at a higher degree because we have been called into positions of leadership. We're judged for those things. But we will all give an account to God. And, and if you want to look at a lukewarm Christian, that's someone who is just a hearer and not a doer. Be ye hearers and doers. Not just, not just, I've heard it. Yeah, I've heard it. I know it. I went to church this morning. But do it. Live it. Abide in it. John says, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. This precious word is full of the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the word. He existed from the beginning. He exists today and he will exist forever. This word is eternal. The reproof of this word gives you a few things. Clear conviction. Clear conviction. How long does it it take you to tell if something tastes bad? not long taste buds about the quickest thing they're about it they're quicker than light ain't they taste buds will tell you quick if you don't like something. anybody in here know what asphidity is amen Annie Bell I love you Vance was that you raising your hand back there nope alright see asphidity. old mountain people old mountain people used asphidity. Did you ever take any, Miss Annabelle? Growing up, I was just telling the same story last night. Growing up, we'd take asphidity. Now, now, I think it's got this asphidity is a is an herb from the Middle East. Somebody brought over here, and then mountain people got a hold of it, and then you know the rest of the story. Turn it into a medicine, right? They take this herb. Make, make it's supposed to make to make Annabelle grow. <laughs> Amen. You just made you grow sweeter. You grew real sweet, Miss Annabelle. But an herb, and they'll mix it. It's, it basically, it tastes like an, er, an herb mixed with garlic and horseradish and onions. And I mean, it's the strongest taste I have ever tasted in my life. And every night during the wintertime, Daddy would have us, we'd be putting two or three drops under our tongue. Now, we, was, we never missed a day of school. We was healthy, <laughs> healthy. But that asphidity, that ta- it did not take long. For me to know how bad that tasted. Well, you know what that was doing? It was, that was, I was tasting that, but what it was doing for my body was beneficial. Amen. I didn't, I didn't go get sick. I mean, which I kind of disliked because I didn't ever get to sit out of school. I'd go run the hot water and run the thermometer under trying to stay out of school, but that didn't work. Mom and Daddy knew, you've had your medicine, you're all right. You know, that's what conviction is is that hey it doesn't taste good but it's just the sin that tastes bad the benefits from conviction my goodness you get that junk out of your system and out of your body you feel like a new person you see we're we're, we've been made new creatures amen if you know jesus you're a new creature in christ and the sin it can't it can't live for long inside of you that's why something's got to die something and it's got to be the sin clear conviction It'll give you clear correction. You won't have to wonder what's wrong. That's what I love about the word and the Holy Spirit and how it gives me clear conviction, this word. And how the Holy Spirit, how he, he touches me and, and he convicts me. But the other thing is it's clear. He shows me what's wrong. I'm not left to wonder what's wrong. And finally, we get clear challenges from the reproof of the word. As he challenges the Holy Spirit, he challenges us to change. I'm thankful that we serve a God who when he tells us to change, when he, when he works with us and he deals with us and he tries to correct us, it's not, it's not just useless beating and abuse, right? He corrects us and it's particular and it's specific. It's surgical. There's something inside of me that needs to get out. It's surgical. He goes right to it. He shows you what it is. The only times that I have went along in life not realizing my sin is because I've just covered it myself. You think back about it and you realize, man, you ever been tempted with something and before you even, as you're doing it, you're thinking, man, I'm wrong. And us foolish people, we just keep on going. We've committed to it. I'm a... I might be a sinner, but I'm committed sinner. I'm going to push through. We know it's wrong, and we do it. But his love and his mercy, when he deals with us, it's clear conviction. He gives us clear correction. This is what it is. And then he challenges us. Because we see the mercy. We feel his mercy. We feel his love. We, We go back into fellowship with him what a glorious moment it is. He welcomes us back in over and over and over. Take your medicine. If I can ever find, I'm trying to find some asphidity because I believe in it. There ain't no medicine that tastes good that's good for you, amen? They, I, I'm, they, 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 cough drops. My mom loves these certain cherry cough drops. They, they're candy. They're just candy. I like fisherman's friend. You probably ain't ever had fisherman's friend, but they're rough on a man. But they'll help you. The word is the same. This is a medicine. And it don't taste good when you're, when you're on the wrong end of its barrel. But what a blessing it is that his grace and his mercy just overflows on us again. Why? It's through and by the word. That's why he gave us this word, to correct us. And he left Jesus when he ascended. He left his spirit with us. He was was happy to ascend. You see, a lot of people want Jesus to to come back and dwell with us and make the the world. He was happy to ascend so that his spirit could dwell with us. Just as Jesus physically was here, his spirit's dwelling with us, and he gives us correction. And, man, there are times it don't taste good, and it don't take long to realize it don't taste good. Amen. Amen.